0: If I do suddenly leap into French, make faces or something, yeah? Um, If I slip into old habits, um, stop me. Before we look at the uh, passage, we'll bow and pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we do thank you for your word uh, that comes to us with such authority uh, and also with uh, impeccable truth. We can trust what you say to us. Uh, and so now as we come to consider together, we pray that by your Holy Spirit you will help us. Uh, help me to be clear and faithful in what I say, and help us all as we reflect and as we listen to uh, understand and also to bow to, to your authority and to, and to hear your voice together. Uh, we all need to hear from you, all of us. And so we pray that you would come and speak to us. Come and help, build us up, encourage us. us. If we need to be uh, warned or rebuked or uh, corrected, then please do that too. And we pray that when we uh, go from this place that you will have been at work in our hearts and our lives uh, because we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Okay, so we're beginning. Oh yeah, that was another thing I should have explained. We're beginning new programs. So Friday evening will be about what it means to be a disciple okay Uh, so friday evening is kind of discipleship we're not going through a letter we're not going through a book we're not going through part of a gospel or anything like that but we are going through a kind of program about discipleship so friday evening and each week we'll build on the previous one and so on so friday evenings we'll be doing that and this friday evening we'll be meeting at james's house um, so, um, so that's, uh, uh, if you want to know where James lives, then you can ask him later. Um, so that will be Friday evenings. Then on Sundays, up until Easter, we plan to be looking at Hebrews 11. Okay, why Hebrews 11? Uh, why Hebrews 11? Well, um, for, one reason is that it's an awesome chapter, it's a really good chapter because it's, um, it's obviously it's in the New Testament. You will have observed this. Uh, even if you look at where my Bible is open, you can tell it's in the New Testament. Yeah. So nobody can be fooled in thinking that just because it's called Hebrews, it's in the Old Testament. Obviously in the New Testament. But it is kind of like a springboard where you can bounce into the Old Testament and then bounce back. So it's a very good way of getting into the Old Testament in a way that is copable with, yeah? So, um, so that's one reason for doing Hebrews 11. Um, another reason which is kind of personal is that when I first became a pastor, which is um, just a few years ago, um, one of the first uh, series I did was on Acts And another of the first series was on Hebrews 11. And there was a really good book that helped me in those days, and I can't find it. Uh, So I'm really frustrated at not being able to find this book, which really helped me a lot, kind of like a couple of years ago. Uh, But where it is now, I don't know. I probably threw it away. Hey, there we are. These things happen. Um, So personally, Hebrews 11 is really important to me. But the letter to the Hebrews is a really interesting letter as well. Um, one person, seeing that we were going to be looking at Hebrews, came up and said, that's, that's brave, because Hebrews is one of those letters that even though it's in the New Testament, we tend to neglect it. We're far more likely to read Philippians, Ephesians, um, than, or even Romans than to read Hebrews. We kind of have a bit of trouble with Hebrews now, that is leading me to um, throw out a challenge this evening. Why not read Hebrews this month? Yeah? In the month of January, Hebrews is not that big a book. I'm sure that everyone here could read Hebrews in the month of January. And maybe at the end of the month, we can discuss it together. Uh, something about the, the, let, the letter to the Hebrews. Yeah? So, a bit of a, a, a challenge. It's not a big one. It's just a little challenge. Yeah? To read Hebrews this month. Just read through the whole thing. You can read through it in one sitting if you like. You can read a couple of verses a day. You can listen to it on on MP3. You can read it in different translations. You can read it in French and compare it with English. Do whatever you like. But read Hebrews this month. Okay, so why Hebrews 11? Because it takes us in and out of the Old Testament. But then what about Hebrews anyway? Well, the letter to the Hebrews is really interesting. And I don't know whether I've got another heading for this. Or whether it's... No, it's still, pourquoi la lettre hébreu or aux Hébreux. Um, why? Well, there's lots of things we don't really know about Hebrews. If you look at the little chart on the back, which is quite a nice little chart, it comes from the Bible Project, little videos you can find on YouTube, you'll see that they've got their author, question mark, we don't know who wrote this book. Some people think it was Paul, other people say, no, it's nothing like the way Paul writes to other people, so it obviously isn't him. One guy I knew very well, who was one of my lecturers, he said, I think it was written by Barnabas, and that is, he said, because I like him. Um, Well, you probably need better reasons than that. Um, Other people have said, Apollos, One thing is sure, it was either one of the apostles or one of the the friends of the apostles, yeah? Someone from what we sometimes call the apostolic band, the group that surrounded the apostles. Who was it written to? Well, again, we don't really know, but we know that they, they were Christians, and we know that they had a Jewish background. And the reason is twofold. The first thing is, if you look again, it says thorough knowledge of the Old Testament scripture. It is the New Testament book with the possible exception of Revelation that makes the most allusions to the Old Testament. Revelation is full of the Old Testament, but so is Hebrews, yeah? So Hebrews talks a lot about the Old Testament and assumes that people know a lot about it, yeah? So um, they were Christians of a Jewish background, and as we saw in our reading, already, they were under pressure to give up their faith in Jesus. Yeah? They were under pressure to give up their faith in Jesus. To stop believing in Jesus, stop meet, meeting with these people, stop standing as people who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and instead just go back to the way they used to live before they even heard about Jesus and before they put their trust in him. That is, back to the rites and the ceremonies and the whole rigmarole of Judaism, but without the expectation and the hope of the Messiah, because they knew that that Messiah was Jesus, but they were not going to trust him anymore. Can you see how how awful that decision would be? And that is why in... Hebrews, we get a lot of this is the next one We get a lot of sonnet, et klaxons. You're walking down St Catherine, and you hear "Ting, Ting, Ting!" And it's coming from behind you. Um, how do you feel? If you're anything like me, you feel kind of annoyed. Because after all, Sainte-Catherine is pietonnée, it's pedestrianised, yeah? You're supposed to be able to walk down there without fearing for your life. And instead, people come down on bicycles and they go, ting, ting, and they expect everyone to clear out of the way so that they can ride through. And it's so annoying. It's so annoying. Or, you're walking on the tramway, and I mean, who doesn't walk on the tramway? You're walking on the tramway, you hear, ding, 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 ding. And it's so annoying. You think, what am I supposed to do? And then it goes, er, er, And you think, okay, fine. And you move. So annoying, isn't it? We are surrounded by sonnet and klaxon, by bells and horns. And they just annoy you. You're at the traffic lights. And you're waiting for them to go green. And then the guy behind you goes, starts going. Barp, barp, barp. You think what's the matter. What's the matter. And the light has gone green. But you're looking at him. You know, you think I would have seen it. I would have seen it. It's so annoying. In, if you are the kind of person. Who finds sonnet. And klaxon. Uh, bells and horns. Really annoying. Then you're going to have trouble. <laughs> with the letter to the Hebrews. I'm sorry but it's like that. Because the letter to the Hebrews has some really loud claxons. It has some horns that sound really loud. There are some very serious and solemn warnings in the letter to the Hebrews. And we read one of them uh, in chapter 10. Why? Because we need to understand that our faith, you know. Being Christian is full of joy, isn't it? It really is. It brings meaning to your life. It, uh, it, it sets you dancing. Some people, they actually start to dance when they become Christians. It makes people sing. There are people who've never sung all their lives and they become Christians and they start to sing. Um, it really does bring the sunshine into your life. It's like, it's like the sunshine coming out after uh, a, a typical Bordeaux winter's day, you know? Rainy and grey, and then all of a sudden the sun comes out. Uh, It's just amazing. But we've got to realize that to be a Christian is a serious business. To turn away from faith in Jesus is to choose to die, and to choose to die eternally. It's a terrible thing to walk away from Jesus. It really is. It's that serious. And people do make that choice. And so that's why in the letter to the Hebrews, there are such big warnings. Now we, we in our culture, we, we have a bit of trouble with the word no, don't we? Um, we find that difficult. And even on the tramway, to kind of sugar the pill of the warning, uh, because they know that we don't like being warned about how heavy a tram is, they, they litter border with yellow rhinoceroses. Yeah, they put yellow rhinoceroses so that the warning becomes funny. Yeah? You wouldn't win against a yellow rhinoceros and you, you aren't going to win against the tram. So they're trying to make the warning more palatable. Yeah? Um, but we still need warnings. You need warnings. But this evening, we're not in a warning chapter. And I'm kind of glad. Because it's quite difficult to preach the warnings. We're in an encouragement chapter. In Hebrews 11. And so we can smile this evening. uh, Because here we are. In a chapter which encourages us. It encourages us. To carry on. Trusting in Jesus Christ. uh, To carry on. Faith. Our faith in Jesus. And look. Um, for the people to whom uh, this letter was addressed, it's clear that this is really pointed. Look, verse 2. I'll read verse 1 as well. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. That does make me laugh, that uh, translation, because we we never speak like that in English, do we? Uh, The ancients, I don't know. I don't know who the ancients would be if I spoke like that. But what they're talking about is the people that follow in the chapter. The people that follow in the chapter. They they lived and they were commended because of their faith in God's promise. God had promised right from the Garden of Eden that he would send the Messiah. God promised the Redeemer would come. You read it all all the time in the Old Testament. Uh, And just as you read, uh, people believed... In God's promise. And God credited it. To them as righteousness. That is from Genesis 15. Where it's written about Abraham. Believing God's promise. So all the way along. People were justified. By their faith in the promised Messiah. Who would come. That is how people were put right with God. They believed in God's promised Messiah. Now Jesus has come. How are people put right? By believing in the Messiah who did come. Yeah. Yeah. Before they believed in the Messiah who would come. Now they believe in the Messiah who did come. But in both cases it's by this faith in God's promised Messiah. Who would come or who did come. But always by believing in God's promise. And so by faith um, this is what the ancients were commended for, and as we go through the chapter, uh, which um, next week is Silva, I think, isn't it? But you don't have an ancient next week. You well, I, I, you kind of do. You have Adam, don't you? But next week it's creation, um, <clears throat> and so uh, the encouragement is there to carry on believing in Jesus, not to give up now, not to give up now, because Jesus um, is is the true and the full. And the final accomplishment of everything promised in the Old Testament. Yeah? It all points to him. Temple, priest, tabernacle, cloud of fire, cloud of of cloud, um, uh, all points to Jesus. Yeah? The water that gushes from the rock points to Jesus. Everything points to Jesus. The lamb that is sacrificed points to Jesus. The goat driven out into the wilderness points to Jesus. Everything points to Jesus. Yeah? And so in the Old Testament, they they believed in Jesus, the one who would come. And now we believe in Jesus, the one who did come. Okay? So uh, we're encouraged to have faith. But then what is faith then? What is faith? Well, um, this is interesting now uh, because the verse we really want want to concentrate on is verse 1. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And I want to ask you, is that a definition of faith? If someone said to you, well, what is faith? Would you be able to say, well, you know, faith is confidence of what we hope for and uh, a firm assurance of what we do not see. And would they go, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it now, um, or not? I I don't think they would. I don't think they would. Because what we have here is not so much a definition of faith, but more a description, yeah? Um, Do you remember a while ago, we made a little kind of video thing? I lined people up against the wall, took a photo of them, and then asked them to say, Bordeaux Church is followed by something, Yeah? Uh, Nobody said Bordeaux Church is a group of Christians who meet together in the middle of Bordeaux. Nobody said that. People said things like Bordeaux Church is uh, friendship. Bordeaux Church is uh, a witness in the middle of the city. Bordeaux Church is my family. Bordeaux Church is... uh, People said things like that. And in a way, they weren't definitions, were they? If somebody wanted to know what Bordeaux Church was, to say family... Um, warmth uh, a welcome that doesn't really help Uh, if you want a definition you have to say Bordeaux church is a group of Christians that meets in the middle of Bordeaux in English if you want a definition but what we were doing was a description and I think here what we have is not so much a definition of what faith is but more a description yeah now at that point I need to pause and leap out of the text a bit Because what is faith then? If we we wanted to give a definition of faith, what is faith? Well, when you look through the chapter, you can see what faith is. Faith is taking God at his word. Look, uh, I'll just pick out a couple. Uh, Verse 7 By faith, Noah, when warned. 8 By faith, Abraham, when called. 11. Sarah, who was past childbearing age, she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Yeah? Uh, And so, time and time again, we can see that people are responding with trust to what God has promised. Yeah? So, faith is taking God at his word, believing his promise. I come back again to that verse from Genesis 15. Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Yeah? He trusted God. And that was his justification. Yeah? He, he trusted God. Um, our, the ancients. Uh, our forefathers. Um, used to say. Faith is made of three things. It's made of three things. It's made of. And they use Latin words. I am sorry. Uh, the Latin words were. Noticia. I always have to look them up. I forget them. Noticia. A census and fiducia. Fiducia. A noticia, a census and fiducia. What does that mean? Connaissance, uh, accord and confiance. Yeah? Knowledge, uh, agreement or acceptance and confidence. Uh, this is probably up there, isn't it? Yeah, there we are. Um, a definition of faith. It's to know God's promise. You've got to know God's promise before you can trust it. You agree with God's promise, you say, yeah, 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 that that makes sense, but then you trust yourself to it, you put your confidence in God's promise. And if you want a definition of faith, that's that's the best definition I can give you. Okay, but um, here we have then this description of faith, and that's what I want to spend the rest of the time on. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Okay. One of the old English trans- translations has, has it put like this. It's the substance of our hope or the substance of what we hope for. And um, the reason I've, I've offered that is because this word confidence is really, it's one of those funny words. I, I'm going to throw a Greek word at you. I've already thrown Latin at you. I, I hate this message already. Um, but here comes a Greek word. And I throw this Greek word out because you can ask James about this Greek word later, okay? It's the word hypostasis. And James, little lights are going on in James's head. He's thinking, I hope nobody asks me about this. And please don't ask me. Hypostasis. This is a really important word in theology which is really difficult to to explain. But that is the word that's used here for confidence. And hypostasis... We use it when we talk about the Trinity. Yeah, we say there are three hypostases. There are three. Uh, there are three persons. Um, there we are. I'm lost already. Trying to u- explain the word hypostasis. But essentially, what it means is a reality, a substance. Yeah, it's the stuff. It's not what it looks like. It's what it is. It's what it is. And the, the reason why it's so hard to translate this verse is because um, it's difficult to put into English what it's trying to tell us. Now, what I thought instead is of an illustration to give you, and I, I'm going to ask you in a moment to close your eyes, but don't be scared, because I'm not going to do anything sneaky or creepy or anything. But um, here, is, here is my little thought experiment to try and get across to you what, what this is talking about. Imagine a child, right? Right? Not the the oldest child in a family. Second child or third child in a family. And the family is one of these families that believes in bicycles. Mum and dad go everywhere on bicycles. They have a trailer that they put the little kids in to pull behind the bicycle. Yeah, And all the kids, they all have bicycles. Everyone has bicycles. Why why is there secret messages going on about bicycles? But anyway, you know, there are families like that. And here is this child, and the child is five. And the parents have promised the child... ...this Christmas you will have your own bicycle. And there's good reason to believe the promise is true. Because all the kids have their bikes. Mum and Dad believe in bikes, you know. I'm going to have a bike this Christmas. But it's the end of November and I don't yet have my bike. Imagine being that child. Sometimes at night you lie there, you close your eyes... And you can just feel the wind in your hair, you know? You can feel, as you go down a hill, how fast you're going. And then you try the brakes and you know that the brakes will hold you and you just feel the wind in your hair. Maybe five is a bit young, but you know? um, You get the point. And and you can feel it. Your your confidence in the promise makes it real. Now, there are certain things about it that you don't know. For example, uh, there are things that you don't imagine, like pedaling uphill, yeah? I'm sure no child ever imagines pedaling uphill when they think of having a bike but somehow just thinking about that promise makes it real and that is something of what this verse is saying to us now imagine Adam Adam in the garden He outside the garden he rebelled against God God has driven him out of the garden but God has promised a redeemer will come and just imagine Adam and he thinks the redeemer will come The seed of the woman. He will crush the serpent's head. And as he thinks about that. He thinks. Yeah I believe that God will send him. I believe that he will come. And and in a way. It's almost as if I can see him. You remember how Job said. I know my redeemer lives. And I will see him. And that promise. As they thought about that promise. It's almost real. David he thinks about a king. Who will rule not just. A a little kingdom but who will rule over all the nations of the world and he just imagines that reign of peace and he thinks how wonderful that would be Um, you could go on like this Isaiah thinks about a suffering servant who who bleeds on behalf of his people who is scorned and despised and rejected and as he thinks about it that promise becomes real and I'm sure we've all been like that you know people who are about to get married they think what must it be like to be married? You know, you wake up and you're not on your own. There's already someone there. And all day you have a best friend with you. Uh, it's, it must be wonderful. And they, they think about what it, what it must be like to be married. And, of course, there are things you don't think about. There are the times when people are ill and all the kind of responsibilities and stuff like that. But you think about, about that promise and what it must be like for that to be realized. Childless Abraham. God said to him, your descendants will fill the whole world. They'll be like the stars in the sky. And Abraham just imagines what it must be like. And somehow that promise becomes real. Now at the end of the message. I'm, I'm going to uh, ask you to close your eyes. Just to think about God's promises. No I'll do it now. I'll just do it now. Close your eyes. And imagine us in Bordeaux. Imagine The gospel so fruitful in Bordeaux that Victoire, instead of there being too many bars, yeah, and the Mary wants to have fewer bars in Victoire, now uh, the Mary is a little bit concerned because there are so many Christians who meet in Victoire. And the whole of Victoire is filled with groups of people who are talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and singing of their love for him and their joy in him. Can you imagine what Victoire would be like? Filled with the praises of Jesus. Can you imagine that? Feel how wonderful that would be. And and that's a little bit of what this verse is talking about. Uh, Imagine us in 2018. Imagine that we're not so disappointed with our governments. I mean, you know, I'm British. Um, But imagine a world where it's governed in justice. And where there's peace, and we're not afraid of who's going to hit the biggest nuclear button first, or anything like that, we 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 just uh, can rejoice in a, a worldwide reign of peace and justice and prosperity. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine it? Uh, can you imagine you and I holy? We are just like Jesus. There's no more shame. There's no more regret. There's no more fear of what you're going to do or what you're going to say or how you're going to handle certain situations. Uh, Now you know that everything is always going to be okay because you are just like Jesus. You are holy. Just imagine it. You close your eyes and you can almost see God's promises kept. And that gives you such confidence. It's the substance of what we hope for. Do you see something? Do you feel? That's what I'm trying to get at. Feel something of of what the verse is communicating to us. I think you can open your eyes now if you want to. Um, Yeah? Um, I hope that that conveys something of of what um, we're trying to get across. Uh, It goes on the next bit. The evidence of things unseen. Because again, this word, the assurance of what we do not see. It's a word that comes from the courtroom. Um, some translations put the conviction. Um, and the word means proof or evidence. Yeah? And it's the idea that uh, our faith in the promises and other people's faith in the promises, it's strong evidence to us of the, uh, the accomplishment of the things that have been promised. Yeah? And so, um, when we look at the Old Testament saints... And I think that's, that's something that the, this chapter is trying to do. It's trying to encourage us by seeing their faith. We look at their faith and that's a strong evidence to us. We see their faith and that feeds our faith. Yeah. I was trying to think of an example of this. And the one that came to mind was Stephen. Stephen, um, the first person to die for his faith in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, before they uh, take him out and stone him, he uh, tells them about how God has been faithful to his promise, but they have not. They have not. They've not had faith in the promises of God. And Stephen outlines the whole of uh, Israel's history, or or a, a sketch of it, and illustrates God's faithfulness and the people's unfaithfulness, and how the Old Testament worked. And then he says that he sees Jesus exalted. He sees Jesus exalted. And the crowd sees Stephen. And they see that he sees Jesus. Yeah. And his faith then. Is a powerful testimony to them. Of the truth of what he said. And so we look at those who believe. We look at the Old Testament saints. You don't see what they see. But you see that they saw it. And that encourages you. To believe. I know that's a really hard sentence isn't it. You don't see what they see. But you see that they see it. And that encourages you. In your faith. So. Faith then. Um, One guy said. It's like. It it brings heaven down to earth. It makes. It it can make your room. uh, a, A room in heaven. Because you see something of God's promises being fulfilled and you trust Him and you know that one day you'll be with Him and that He will keep all His promises. Um, Okay, et alors? Oh, yeah, the demonstration de l'invisible. Et alors? The moment, et alors? The upshot for us. Um, I want to show you a guidebook. I lose so many books. I've lost so many books. It was when we moved, I think, from the house to the flat. I used to have a guidebook like this for Barcelona. Um, I'd like to think I still have it somewhere, but I can't find it. And, you know, our flat is quite small, so I'm sure it's gone. I also had one for South Africa. Um, I've been to Barcelona, but I've never seen the things in Barcelona I want to (laughs) see. Instead, I saw Barcelona Football Club. Don't ask. But anyway, we went to see Barcelona Football Club. But we didn't go and see Sagrada Familia. We didn't go and see uh, Las Ramblas. We didn't go and see the beaches. We didn't, we didn't do anything that you want to do in Barcelona. But I've got the book, I've got the book somewhere. I've got the guidebook to Barcelona. Now imagine that someone at the end of the service says, Alan, I'd like to send you to Barcelona. Uh, here we are, here's your tickets. Here's the hotel reservation. Go and see uh, Sagrada Familia, go and see Las Ramblas, go and see the beach in Barcelona. Go and do it. Next weekend, go. See is preaching, everything will be fine. Go and do it. Uh, and I go to Barcelona, and I've got my guidebook, and I go there, and I sit in the hotel room, and I order a room service, get coffee, breakfast, a pizza for lunch. And I sit there looking at Sagrada Familia in my guidebook, and I say, "Yeah, it is awesome, isn't it?" This this book is, is awesome. This is uh, has Seville. That is La Giralda in Seville. If anyone's ever been to Seville, there's this tower that is really famous on the cathedral called La Giralda. Look, it's almost like going there. You don't need to go. You know, if I sat in Barcelona with a guidebook on my lap and looked at pictures, you'd say, "Alan, you're nuts. You're nuts." Look, there is cigarla familiar. Go and smell it. Go and touch it. Go in it. Go and feel the weight of it. Go and look at how high it is. Go and feel it. Go to Las Ramblas. Go and eat something. Go and drink coffee. Go and sit at a table. Go and watch people go by. Go and smell the air. Go and feel the trees. Go to the beach. Go and look at the sea. Don't sit in your hotel room and look at a book. You're nuts. And that's exactly the same thing that's happening here. You know, you have Jesus. You have the reality. Don't go back to signs. Don't go back to to things that pointed to him. It's like going and sitting with a guidebook. You know, why would you do that? Why would you go and, and offer your lamb at the temple when the lamb of God has come and has paid for the sins of the world? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? And what good would that do you? How could that possibly work? And it's the same thing for us. Don't desert your faith in Jesus Christ. Don't turn away from him. Don't hold on to him. Because to die outside of Jesus. Is the most dreadful thing. That can happen to anyone. And you don't even want to think about it. It's the most awful thing. To die outside of Jesus. So hold on to him. With all the strength that he uses. When he holds on to you. Yeah. I know you have no strength. And I know I have no strength either. But don't walk away. Don't walk away. Whatever you do. I know he will hold you. But don't walk away. Don't do it. And then the second Eloh Let your faith work on God's promises. What do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by is this, and it's the thought experiment we just did, I guess. Um, When you read of God's promises, you know when God promises things like, you know when Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. In my Father's house, there's lots of room for you. Well, close your eyes And think of what it's like, think of what it's like for the prodigal son to come back to the father's house. You know, he's been living in the pigsty. He's been out in the fields. And now he comes back to the father's house. And in the father's house, there's joy, there's music, there's dancing, there's food, there's comfort, there's a welcome, there's love. And close your eyes and think about that. When you read about God's promise, that there's a place for you, let your faith work on God's promises, yeah? Imagine them, think about them, and let them become real in your heart, and, and build your assurance and your confidence in God. And then as you do that, work for it, and keep going, and work for it, you know, work for the, the, the fulfilling of those, of those promises, Do all you can so that God's promises will be fulfilled in you. Because faith is what the ancients were commended for. You know, it's always been like this for God's people. It's always been a question of trusting God. Trusting God. And keeping on trusting God. Well, we're going to pray. And then um, we're going to... go into our communion part of the service. So let's pray together.